put my swagger hop in that window, I got places to go. People to see time is precious, I look at my Cartier out of control. Just like my mind where I'm going, no women, no shorties, no nothing, my clothes. No stopping at my Pirelli's on. I'm like my Gucci, that's always on. I know the storm is coming, my pockets keep telling me it's gonna shower. Call up my homies, it's on and popping the night, cause it's meant to be hours. We keep a fadeaway shot, cause we ballin' this button up, Patron, every hour. Look, mama, ow, you just like the powers. Girl, you the truth with all that goody power. Like a number one fan. Don't open my mouth, let her talk to my fans. My Benjamin Franklin's. I'm in the days that bottom is waving at me like, damn it, I know you. You run the show like a gun out of holster. Tell me whatever, and I'll be your sofa. Right, all right, all right. Hello, everyone. My name is Diamond Rivera, and this is the Live Discussions with Diamond podcast coming to you from New York City. And what you just saw is an amazing video from our special guest tonight. But before we get started, this episode is sponsored by Thubakshat, the radio, where you can listen to this interview in high quality. And tonight, people, for episode 135. We have a very special guest indeed to close out this June, but also to close out in memory of, this is our one-year anniversary of the Live Discussions with Diamond podcast. Yes, we made it a year, 135 episodes, and this guest here for me is truly special. Growing up in this dance scene, for me, there's very few people that have made a really strong impact on my focus as a dancer. And having him on this platform is an honor. Uh, from one creative to another, one artist to another, uh, this is my opportunity to celebrate his success. And now we have here the one and only Dave Paris. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. I have chills going through my body. I haven't seen that video in a while. Yes. Um, that was when we did for, we did that for Indian TV. Uh, it was one of it's like the dance... Uh, so you think you could dance of um, of India, mm -hmm. and uh, they 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 had us perform that, and it was interesting that that number originally we got called from the New York Knicks to do a halftime show, yeah, and they saw what we did on America's Got Talent, and they said, okay, it's beautiful, but can you make it a little faster? And up until then, we've only did beauty, like mm -hmm. you know, um, slow long movements, and we tried that piece, um, did really well in the halftime show. That's an, that's its own story. But then it became, when we brought it back to the salsa world, people were like, oh, my God, it's the best routine you've ever done, which is odd because for us, it was the same moves we always did, just to faster yeah. music. 
and yet that became the best song and now it's like number one of my uh, favorite choreographies man <laughs> and and dave honestly again like i said earlier it really truly is an honor for me growing up in this scene and seeing you perform congress at the congress headlining show after show for me but also also recognizing for me how much your choreographies your um your style has really impacted the dance scene immensely, especially when it comes to tricks and lifts and the cabaret scene, how much it's grown from the days in the salsa scene when everything was on the floor. And then at one point it shifted. And when we got to performances, people, you know, they were definitely, their feet were off the ground for sure. And, you know, having this opportunity to talk to you, it truly is a pleasure. Yeah, you were with me in 1997 with the Heartbreak Boys, right? Yeah. Back you did a dip to the music. People would be like, oh, that's amazing. You know, that's incredible. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, back then, I was with Razzmatazz Dance Company. Shout out to Angel and Addy. Um, and, you know, back then, we they, I was a terrible dancer. You know, I started dancing in 93. Um, but I was really good at lifts. So when Angel said, hey, look, uh, you want to lift uh, my wife? And and you'll, you'll come in the middle of the show. And that's what we did. The South Sudan looked beautiful. I came in the middle. I tossed Addy in the air, flipped her, caught her, came back. And afterwards, they, they gave me the most love. And I thought to myself, mm. there's something here to uh, this trick thing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Man, absolutely. Hearing that, realizing, too, how far back as well, because many people see salsa now or bachata or just dance in general, see how mainstream it is, but remembering of years ago when you were lucky if you can get a video camera and capture those moments and those initial memories. And, you know, for me, always as every guest that comes here, how I love to start is really kind of taking it back before dance, before the artistry, before the performances, before the lifts. Kind of tell us, Dave, who is Dave Paris before it all? Sure. Uh, well, my I'm a New Yorker. I, I grew up not understanding at all this uh, the salsa music or or any Latin music, I uh, you know New York to some degree is somewhat segregated, and I would hear the music but not understand it. Um, then in college I, I came back and I uh, was a teacher in the South Bronx and all my students' uh, parents spoke Spanish, so I thought to myself, oh boy, I better uh, learn learn Spanish. I went yeah. to Guatemala for three weeks and. Um, really did the best as I could. Uh, but uh, I saw this really ugly guy at the club one night dancing with all these beautiful women. And I thought to myself, oh my God, I got to learn how to do this. I didn't understand the music, but I understood the possibility. <laughs> yes, the opportunity. <laughs> the opportunity, oh my God, this is the best, you know? So I came back to New York. Uh, I took first class with Rosa, who's uh, passed away. Uh, used to teach at um, Dance, New uh, Dance New York what, with the uh, I think that's the name of it. My uh, memory is not so good right now, but um, the the ballroom place. And then after that, I took uh, classes with Mario, who uh, at SOBs every uh, um, every Monday night, um, beginning to get good. And I was like, you know, I saw these dancers that looked there. There's there's a specific style of dancers on Monday night SOBs of people that look especially good. And I asked this one girl, I was like, how do you? What is it? What are you doing? And she goes, oh. You need to see the Mambo King. I go, the Mambo King? <laughs> I go, who's that? That sounds perfect, you know? <laughs> so this yeah. is 1993. Um, mm. I start with 1994, I think. And I take, um, I start taking classes with Maria. Maria is my godmother. Uh, she is um, many of our godmothers who started with her. Uh, she brought me along with the basics. And there was always this excitement. She'd be like, all right, Dave, you're almost ready to to, for Eddie's class, you know, and there's this like intrigue. And I used to go four or five times a week, terrible at it, but I, I was committed. Um, mm. And then eventually made it to Eddie's class after six months, his, you know, his beginner level class, um, and took class probably for about four years, um, mm. obsessed with it. Got myself out on the dance floor, not that good, but absolutely determined. Um, then eventually joined the Razzvatas student group, um, then became part of their senior team, became their lift specialist and things took off from there. Wow, I mean, really realizing too, like you said, as a New Yorker, back in the 90s as well, even the 80s, Eddie Torres, how in, in important that onto kind of collective and that grassroots approach started and realizing how far it's come now, how it's evolved really. I mean, for me, hearing you and seeing, kind of visualizing those memories of you in those initial classes when 
those editorials dancers are starting up and really now Salsa's getting into the mainstream with Dita Puente and how, what were those feelings like really, if I could ask really in the nineties with kind of the salsa scene with it kind of yeah. initially starting? Yeah, back then it was super, super competitive. You didn't have dance socials. Mm -hmm. You had Copa on Tuesday night. You had Latin Quarter on Thursday night. Um, and those, because those, uh, those were like this semi-socials where people, the dancers would go. Any other of the nights were uh, were too crowded uh, to dance. And um, because it was a club, it was super, super competitive because it wasn't just about the dance. It was also people trying to hook up with each other. Um, and there was like mm. a status of you had to look a certain way. You had to, um, and you know, I'll never forget um, one of my dance partners, I, I asked her to dance and um, not knowing her. And she said no. And I walked around for the next next few uh, hours and then asked her again again to dance, not knowing it's the same person. And she goes, you already <laughs> asked me to dance. <laughs> and, and you could tell because, you know, I was only okay at, at that. She didn't really yeah. want to dance with me. Um, but I got, I, I, she eventually said, all right, I'll give it a shot. And I was always decent, not great. Um, and then from that, I got her in Razzmatazz and then she joined team but it was super competitive you didn't have socials uh any tour issues i think it was called the mambo magic or once every month or one or two months you would have uh the special social and there you know you could take the uh, dating part away the sexiness away and have it just be about the dance and those were such a much uh, better relaxed atmosphere to learn but mm -hmm. it wasn't really like that in the 90s most of it was like super super competitive and in my view that's what yes. that's what made new york evolve the way it did like new york blew up around the world because we were all trying to outdo each other um at mm. latin quarters on thursday night man hearing about latin quarters as well the stories about that and then also seeing how the scene had evolved and like you said you being with raz and taz and then working alongside as well with Eddie and Maria. So then, you know, years later, then New York kind of has the Salsa Congress as they, you know, the original Congress, I believe it was in the Catskills, if I'm not mistaken. The, the, few, the first New York Congress um, was there. I think, the, I believe the first one was the Bacardi Congress in Puerto Rico. Um, yes. And at that time, it was just one, I think it was 99 or 98, if I mm -hmm. remember correctly. Um, and then the Casco one David uh, put together, maybe it was 2001 or 2000, I forget the, the exact year. But um, he, that it was an evolution, you know, definitely, but, you know, people would think, oh my God, the, you go to Puerto Rico. And at the time we thought there were like tens of thousands of people there. There's probably a thousand people in the audience. Most yeah. of them were dancers, <laughs> but there was a, like an allure of, of what, yeah. it, you know, at the time, cause we didn't have, the internet wasn't really uh, thriving and, uh, it was just word of mouth. We just thought that these venues were were larger than life. But soon after Bacardi, then uh, Albert started his LA Congress, and then David started uh, shortly uh, after New York. And there were just like two or three a year. And if you could go to Congresses um, and you came back to the clubs, you were so much bigger. Your confidence yeah. grew so much because you were competing against the very best at the time, and it was competitive. Like when, and even before that, one at Copa Cabana, there was like a pre-Congress. The LA people came over. We had the, the Los Rombetos. You had uh, Salsa oh. Brava come, and they were competing against all the New York groups. And it was it was on. Like everybody wanted to be better than another. What were we were competing for? Nothing. There was no real. <laughs> it wasn't no <laughs> prize money, but it was a level of we were badass and we kicked ass and we know we're better than you. Now, that was definitely a big part of everybody's uh, work. And they worked hard for that. Hey, I, I love the honesty. I love the transparency. So now my question to you is, you know, working with Fraz and Taz, working with Eddie and Maria, where did kind of your journey go from there? Was it, hey, I'm still going to be working with teams? Or did you kind of then transition to doing your own personal work? Yeah, I was Fraz and Taz for about four years. And um at some point, I wanted to go off on my own and just do, you know, I, I figured, what do I love doing the most? I love doing acrobatics to Latin music. So uh, back then it was salsa. So uh, I formed a team of four different uh, couples and we we didn't really have much. We Our best uh, base of knowledge were videos of, of people and we would just try things out and, and get bruised up all over the place. But once in a while, uh, we would get lessons. One guy um, was also, uh, passed away, Louis Rosa, um, would teach us one of the guy, one of the 
uh, Carolyn Grimaldi knew him. He came over and he's amazing. He came into the lesson. He took off 17 gold chains, you know, his leather jacket. And I was, <laughs> this guy was tough, man. And I was like, oh yeah. boy, it's going to be something. But he turned out to be this. He was tough. <laughs> he was really tough. But he's also immensely sweet. And he taught everything that he knew. And he came from the hustle era. Angel came from the hustle era of where mm -hmm. lifts were really big, Billy's in the hustle era. So there's a whole slew of all these great turn patterns, but also also lifts that came from that era. And all those hustle people taught me what they knew. And I just, mm -hmm. I, you know, I was, I'm not all that good, to be honest. What I am is smart to take lessons from people who know things. So back then I would take lessons from everybody. My, my, my second or probably my third father was Artie Phillips. Artie Phillips also passed away. Uh, I hope I do him justice to pass the knowledge that he taught me, which was, um, to make sure that when you're dancing with your partner with acrobatics, that the guy isn't throwing the woman, that you're looking for a dance through acrobatics together, that lifting mm -hmm. is not about just throwing, lifting is about using a, a partnership. Um, and when I learned that, it was like learning a whole new dance style. Um, and that if you do that well, you can see the difference. You always see it on stage when people are like, oh, like this, yeah. or when there's an ease. And he taught me, no, when you do it smoothly, you're gonna be doing it like a dance. And that's where um, I started doing that for about three or four years. Then um, uh, Louis Rosa's dance partner, Ava, broke up. Um, they broke up. And then I danced, started dancing with Ava, <laughs> which was like, wow. oh, my God, I'm dancing with my teacher. And yeah. she taught me a level of professionalism uh, that was incredible. Then she introduced, we did some instructional DVDs, not nine of them. No, is that nine? Seven, seven of them. And... Um, from those DVDs, we would like travel around the world, uh, trying to. We were doing good shows, not the best shows in the world, but at the time they were they were very good, and um, really pushing or marketing ourselves as the uh, lift teachers. And she's doing at that point. She had been doing it for twenty years. So for me, it was uh, quite an honor to work with her. Um, but she lived in San Francisco, so our, we could just get us to a certain level. Then <laughs> I was like, over that time, um, in between. Uh, salsa dancers, I've worked with about 15, I performed with 15 different people over the years. I had 25 different partners. Um, and most of them wouldn't last very long. People, especially salsa dancers, they, I remember one partner, we worked together for a year. We got on stage for David Melendez, uh, the Boston Salsa Congress. We nailed it, standing ovation. And she said, okay, I'm done. I'm pursuing my acting career now. I was like, oh my God, we just <laughs> you know, and it's tough because in salsa, you can just kind of pick up somebody and, uh, yeah. And, and you can make it work, but it do acrobatics. It kind of takes a while. Um, yeah. Mess, right. Yeah. I mean, Hey, doing acrobatics, but realizing how you were able to mesh that within the same community you're a part of, which was kind of slow to pick it up. I mean, I mean, there's always been some type of cabaret, but really most people knew salsa is kind of on the ground. That's so right. then you really, for me, I would say in the mid two thousands, that's why that's where I saw for me now the the shift of now things are starting to get higher. Now now groups are looking for intent to create that uh, that standing ovation effect. They're looking now for the newest thing, and, and for me, then also seeing you uh, as well with your partner. How were those initial experiences like? You know, going from Razzmatazz and working in the salsa world to now performing. A routine that really isn't salsa based. At it isn't salsa. No, yeah, it, it's a great question because New York was known. I mean, now you have phenomenal dancers around the world, but back then New York had its own style that nobody could match. Only if you were yeah. training in New York uh, would you do that. And so, and in New York, it was all about being smooth in your partner work. Tricks mm -hmm. were like you wouldn't even do a dip in a New York routine. It was shines and yeah. spins, and 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 that was it, right? So you remember that, right? So. Yeah, anytime I was seen as quite the anomaly, like, oh boy, uh, who's who's this? First of all, I'm white, so that's already something I was like, what the hell is he doing on stage? There weren't too many white guys, there, you know. And then I'm doing lifts too, and not only I'm doing one or two lifts, the whole routine is lifts, you know. Yeah. So it's like, and it was funny because at the time, I love Latin, I love salsa dancing. I'm also sad, you know, and it's the thing that brings me the probably some of the, my biggest joys in life. And um, I wanted to express the music, but I thought I could do it in a way that was different. And did people accept it? 
No, absolutely not. Uh, I mm. thought it was worthy of um, getting the highest stage, but I'd have to fight for a Friday night's light at a, uh, at a, at a Congress. And I remember wow. begging David Melendez. I was just like, David, put me on, man. See the show. I would do a show for one of his socials and, and say, Can't, you know, what, what do you think? And he goes, Dave, you know, look, man, uh, everybody has an asshole. This is my opinion, but it's okay, but it's just not good enough yet. And um, it was it was immensely frustrating to put my best effort and thinking doing something that was great. In retrospect, it was pretty good, not not great. Um, but it was only when I met Zoe um, mm. when I gave up on training salsa partners to uh, dance salsa. I said, let me find an acrobatic person to dance salsa, and I'll teach her salsa. So I met Zoe. She was a circus performance uh, performer in New York City, mm. and um, that and. Almost immediately, we did a competition in about three or four months um, in LA. Half uh, salsa and half um, acrobatics. I think they disqualified us because they said it was too many too many acrobatics. <laughs> but um, <laughs> at that moment, <laughs> it's true. I didn't think so, but you know, I wasn't the judge. But um, at that point, we still didn't re receive success until Zoe convinced me. She said, "Dave, we're doing the wrong thing here," and it's Artie Phillips too. Artie Phillips was my uh, instructor, and mm -hmm. he, my really my my guide, uh, spiritual guide, and artistic guide. He told me, "You keep trying to fit within a a box. Have people come to you. You don't go to them." And mm -hmm. I remember it, 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 I was so, my salsa experience, my dance experience was all salsa. I couldn't think beyond that. But so yeah. he said, we can do a routine where it's just acrobatics. We did our, our first number, which 100% acrobatics, no uh, partnering, no anything else. And we didn't even use salsa music. We got a huge standing ovation. David said, you're on my team. I'm hiring <laughs> you for all my congresses. Oh my <laughs> we God. The LA Congress, my friend Alex Lease, uh, one of my closest friends and, and a phenomenal uh, 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 dance acrobat, salsa, salsa acrobatic guy himself. I've known him, I've been competitive with him for a decade at that point. And he said, dude, you left no chicken bones on that floor to eat. I'm so proud <laughs> of you, you know? And like, so at that moment we, we came from like, an, not somebody you would talk about to suddenly um, getting standing ovations and then closing shows. And at that point we were like, um, we kind of reached close to our height. Um, and so it was interesting so it's fascinating, really, that we never did a lot of music <laughs> to get as famous as we did. Right. Now, when we taught, we always taught our workshops to lot of music. And now, really, that's my joy. I dance at three or four in the morning every every time. But it was the it, it, it wasn't what we were becoming famous for. But what was interesting is even back then, that's like you said, 2005, up until then, nobody would ask me for lessons in New York City. I'd travel around the world and I'd get tons of lessons everywhere else. But just about in the mid 2000s, teams started calling me <laughs> and started saying, yeah. all right, they knew they had to compete against LA. They had to compete against uh, the Colombians were just starting to do their thing. Ooh, they didn't reach their something. highest height. Back, it was Son de la Luz, I think, back then, that the, the mid 2000s, they weren't quite there. And then Swing Latino brought it in the late 2000s. That's when they were like, that's when they blew up. But up until then, New York knew they had to do something. Some of them came to me finally, which was great. Uh, the biggest pleasure in the world is working with some of the stars. And then over the course of 10 years, yeah, New Yorkers combined, in my opinion, the best of New York style dancing and some phenomenal tricks like Forza, um, uh, Felix Fosso, 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 Yeah, Fosso, Felix, I love You got to compute me. I'm sorry. Those people don't know. My <laughs> mind doesn't work so well anymore. And we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to mix up lots and lots of names. But yeah, the tricks are amazing. Um, Zafire, we work with a little bit. Somebody else is working with them too. They do great tricks. And that combination still for me has New Yorkers at the top. I, I love what, well, there's still other great groups, but um I, lo I love what the New York has done in, in, in combining the tricks with the term patterns and style. Absolutely. I mean, now going from just, you know, learning tricks and working with, you said, Zoe, uh, kind of now getting that claim to fame in a sense of, or getting that that nod from David of like, all right, you're, you're on now. But, yes, it was you know, so great. That was so great. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, then the transition of now mainstream media catching on. Because now I'm seeing you now on America's Got Talent. I'm <laughs> yeah. seeing you different publications. And, you know, that that right there is clear representation of a person from our community making it. For me, my question to you is, 
what were those feelings like of now mainstream <laughs> media is now, you know, re seen us? It was the best thing in my life. What the, the story, those people don't know, we were semi-finalists in the fourth season of America's Got Talent. But the story I love to tell is we actually tried out in the second season. And mm -hmm. we were there at Jacob Javits Center with 10,000 other people where we're going, you, your first audition is with the assistant to the assistant uh, producer. And we didn't get beyond that round. <laughs> and then two years later, doing almost the same routine, mm. we make it to um, we make it to the semifinals. And so you ask, what was the difference? It might have been a little having a little bit more polish. And at that time, for two years, we started performing just about every single weekend for for every year. We started doing anytime we didn't have a show around the world or around the country, we would have a show Atlantic City. So we made sure we were in constant um, just being stage ready. So that helped. But the thing that helped the most is Zoe and I got married. So the thing mm. that they were like, they wanted to sell, oh, this romance. And yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> they would stage these like these videos of me massaging her feet. Meanwhile, yeah, like, am I, if, you, got if, you, if you read my lips, I'm like, yo, you never massaged my feet. Why am I massaging your feet? You know, I'm like, like feeding her like blueberries. I'm like, yeah, you get this. What about me? And so it's it's it was a fascinating uh, look behind the behind the reality TV and they say it's scripted. It's totally scripted. It's, I mean, it's amazing what they do. Yeah. If you have a good story, you'll be, there were people, other fantastic acrobats that we were competing against, um, but we had the best story at the time. And sometimes in this business, whether it's mainstream or in the salsa world, not, actually in, in the salsa world, I would argue it is a meritocracy. You're only yeah. gonna make it to the top if you're good. In show business, yeah. Um, it's really a little bit different. It's it's you just got to hit the right break with the right story with the right producer. We were lucky enough to do it in the fourth season, not in the second season. And what was that experience like? It was the best thing in the world, man. Like um, finally, people were recognizing us on the street. If I walked by myself, people would recognize us. But if there was this big guy and this petite woman, they yeah. like, oh, yeah, we, we know we know who you are, you know. And even when we traveled, people know us. It was really uh, quite a lot of fun. We were. Uh, called up for a lot of work from, you know, America's Got Talent doesn't pay you, but with that notoriety, it's, yeah. it's, it, it gives you exposure that um, far exceeds uh, what you're putting into it. And so um, it was, I would say it was the most nervous. The first episode, I was not nervous at all because I hadn't seen the show yet. You know, we were like right below that Manhattan Center. There's this like green room underneath and we're hearing all these buzzers go off. And so he's yeah. looking and saying, uh, hey, Dave, uh, um, what what are those buzzers? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't know they had buzzers. So apparently we're going to do a show and they don't like it. They're going to buzz us. I was like, oh boy, this is, this is going to be a trouble. <laughs> and then we hear like thousands of people booing people. We're like, oh shit, oh, if you don't wow. do well, you're going to get booed. And, and so even with that, I didn't think I was too pressured because the producers, they either hook you up or they set you up for failure. And my producer, he told me, hey, look, bust out your first trick um, immediately and get the crowd behind you. So, of course, uh, Zoe's like standing on my forearms. I throw her up in the air. I catch her butt. I bring her down. And immediately she pulls me over her back. That's like our yeah. uh, signature trick, right? So uh, when we do that, we got a standing ovation 15 seconds into the routine. And I was like, oh, man, we got this. All right, just don't blow it from here because we, we we know we're doing well. Um, so... Uh, that that was, a, that was an extraordinary feeling. I could tell you though, once you get a glimpse of what it's like to perform in front of millions of people, that pressure is like nothing. That, that was the most pressure I've ever been under. And what's harder is in the succeeding rounds, they push you to do things you haven't done before. They want to mm -hmm. see you. Yeah, oh man. So you're doing new tricks that you've never done before. In the third round, I did this move where I lift her up from the ankles like this. I had done that move twice in my life. Um, but my coach, uh, my coach at the time, Aiden O'Shea, he said, Dave, when you have millions of people watching you, you're going to make it happen. So I don't know whether it was the millions of people or I did pray. When I did that move, I was just like, <laughs> I prayed. I was like, please, God, make this happen. And because uh, like a few days before I tried it and I busted my back um, and I couldn't move my back for a few days. And I got this faith healer to come heal me. And, you know, when, when you're in a moment of crisis, you become very religious. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, right. So anyway, I, we do the trick. We go into the semifinals in the semifinals. Unfortunately, we um, we were saving our best act because we thought we were going to easily hit the finals. So we had this trick. We were going to spin Zoe over my head with one finger and we were saving it to oh. do. 
I know it was going to be so amazing, but you know, it's just a hard world to read. It, in retrospect, we had no shot at winning. They they wanted the 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 singer who was a chicken. He collected chickens. He was going to win no matter what. <laughs> we didn't stand a chance. So we should have busted it out in the semis. So we've been holding that trick um, in our pocket now for 10, 11 years. I actually just called the producer uh, a few days, a few sorry, a few months ago, and I said, "Hey, look, I got a good news story for you. Maybe we do a comeback." And he goes, uh, "We we already have the season, but definitely next season." So we are thinking about doing it again. Mm-hmm. Um, Come come October, I can give you more information. But uh, we're we're, and now I'm training my body for it because uh, I wanted that. You know, it's funny they say you have one shot sometimes, and that's what I thought it was. I thought we lost that big shot for that one finger trick, but maybe we'll get another shot. We'll see. Man, it's amazing how even you're talking with the kind of going now a little bit further on from those days uh, from America's Got Talent, and even now into 2020. Um, which is a really hard year for a lot of us. And before we get started, I just want to let everyone know, for me, I am fully vaccinated, and I encourage everyone to get their vaccinations as soon as possible, making sure that everyone is safer, especially our dance community. Dave, if you'd like to expound on that as well. Absolutely. So for those people who don't know, um, very early in March, I um, got COVID. My brother had it. He was sick for a week. I got it right after him. And I was um, so sick that uh, I would I fell asleep in front of the fridge. And that's when I knew, um, you know, I do like my refrigerator, but not to sleep there. And that's when I knew, oh, boy, I, I, I need to do something different. Uh, and I was like, I tried to, I got up, I couldn't breathe and I went to the hospital. Um, and sure enough, I had COVID. I didn't know, uh, I was there for a few days, uh, couldn't, was hallucinating, uh, ridiculous things. Those people have been in the situation. No, you're not really yourself. Um, but I did, uh, they did say I was my situation, uh, they would have to intubate me because I was getting sick. What I didn't know at the time is only 20% of the people who get, uh, intubated, uh, go on a ventilator, wake up, um, and for the at the time, this was early on in the pandemic. I didn't know. I didn't know those statistics. And I remember my sister telling me, "This is like, hey, look, this might be it." And I was like, "Ah, I'll be fine." And you know, it's funny. Faith and belief does so much in one's world. And for me, it wasn't a faith in God. It was just a faith in statistics. I thought to myself, "I'm 48. I'm overweight, but I'm still super healthy. There's no way I'm gonna, um, you know, this is gonna be a problem." So I yeah, put me under whatever. Just wake me up for in time for the chicken sausages, which I was very, very excited to realize I could <laughs> order directly from the menu. And um, sure enough, I. I uh, I was uh, intubated for a day and my situation got much worse. They put me on a machine called ECMO, which it's not just takes care of your lungs, but does the work Mm -hmm. of your heart. So basically if you're on ECMO for a day, which you usually use for uh, open heart surgery, that's a big deal. I was on, uh, I was on ECMO for 32 days. Um, And they said I was the sickest person. They, they easily the sickest person with COVID that survived. Um, but so many people who were not as sick as me also passed away. And, and mm-hmm. they told my uh, family the first two, three days, he's gone, he's done, uh, that's it. And my heart stopped four times. And um, I could tell you, uh, just getting to the, uh, to the end of the story, I lived, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> it's a pro-vaccine message I share because uh, I lived, but I almost died. Everybody knows people who have died. Um, I was one of those people who thought, uh, I'll be fine. My immune system's great. I always handle sickness as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just don't know that. Not only do you not know that, you don't know who you'll pass it to. Um, So I just wanted to share a lot of people are, um, I got a lot of love when I was in the coma from uh, the salsa community. And first of all, thank you for everybody for your prayers. They made a bit they made a difference. I don't know uh, how much, but I do know Zoe played salsa music in our shows 24/7 right next to my uh, <laughs> right next to my bed, and so I spent I spent a month dancing salsa in like the best venues and the best hotels. Um, some of my dreams were quite uh, spiritual and and mm. dramatic and intense, but I could tell you a lot of it was like, oh wow, I was having a a good time. On the outside, people were suffering. My family and friends were yeah. were were devastated. Um, and my, my experience, I put it the first, when I woke up, the very first thing I, I, I thought was I need to tell people I'm okay. And, um, if you look on, uh, I don't know if it's on YouTube or somewhere, 
Um, mm. but there's a me, there's a message, it's on my Facebook, I think, but there's a Facebook around a uh, message somewhere in late uh, May of 2020, where I'm just like, I'm okay. And it was weird. Cause when I saw it a few months later, I was like, oh boy, I didn't look okay. <laughs> I look like a ghost and barely alive, you know? Oh, Angel yeah. says hi. From yeah. That's my second father. He, he, Angel's, Angel's a beautiful story. He, um, the first time I saw myself on, on, uh, on a, uh, video, um, I immediately, you know, back then we didn't have, uh, we didn't tape our shows and somebody taped yeah. our show with my, uh, uh, and showed it to me. And I called Angel up and I said, dude, I'm done, man. I'm, uh, <laughs> and he spent three hours on the phone with me saying, dude, you can't give up. This is just, this is just a, a stepping stone for you. It's something, it's an obstacle. You'll get over it. And uh, I actually said, no, I quit. I'm done. I'm terrible at dancing. And for many, many um, days, he just kept calling me to not give up. And he, he's a special human being. Those people trained under him. It's not just a uh, dance teacher. He's a spiritual teacher. So I love you, Angel. And, um, and yeah, so back to the coma. Um, yeah, I had a lot of crazy dreams. You know, I, I, I faced death. I, I thought at the time I lived, you know, right before I went to the coma, I thought, you know, I had a pretty good life. I great stage shows, uh, um, good job, uh, lots of friends. And I was heading like kind of downwards in my life and thinking, you know, I, you know, I, I became a pretty much Zoe and I split in, uh, 2010 or 2011, I think it's 2011. And, um, life, life for me did go down from that. I work with other people. I work, uh, put teams together, but nothing gave me the taste of what uh, Zoe and I did. And I thought I was done with life, to be honest. And mm -hmm. um, when I faced a spirit, I faced a spirit in in a dream I had in the coma that I remember very clearly that I'll never forget, in which the spirit told me, you're dying. That's it. You're dead. This is it. Yeah. Um, and I remember fighting for my life saying, no, I'm going to make it, man. And I was just like, shit, I thought I wanted to die. I take it back. I take yeah. it back. <laughs> forget everything I said, forget everything I thought, you know, and um, the spirit told me, look, if you want to live, you got to fight harder than you ever had in your life. And I said, yo, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And um, if any of this sounds interesting to you, by the way, I think I told you, Diamond, I did write a book about it. Uh, Absolutely. It's a, it's a free book for anybody would like a digital copy. Just email me at info or message, Facebook me on a uh, Facebook or message me on Facebook. And that's why my, some of my words still get kind of messed up. My memories. No. <laughs> so that's the story. This is the long way of saying everybody, if I missing some memories and, and such, my mind is one year later, it's still getting there. Get, get yeah. your vaccine if you can. And my body is also still getting there. Still not a hundred percent. And so, uh, if you can avoid getting this horrible disease, um, please do get that vaccine. Absolutely. And also too, I'll be definitely, ordering my own copy of the COVID story and definitely promoting that as well. You know, for me as well, Dave, seeing you throughout the years, really being uh, a symbol of reinvention. I mean, kind of like you said, you going from the early days and Razzmatazz and then Eddie, and then now making a name for yourself and performing in the mainstream and really inspiring a new generation of artists, a new generation of competitors. And I really feel, in my honest opinion, you're one of those artists that reinvented the dance world because, you know, I, I believe you, you you gave people that push to kind of lift a little higher, as I say. Um, you know, for yes, me- Diamond, I, 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 I have like, the beautiful thing for me is I love acrobatic dance. It's, it's up there, some of my, um, it, it's the best. And um, when I have people come learn, you know, uh, there was a time in which, at the New York Salsa Congress, nine out of 10 top teams uh, trained with me. And that was that for me was like the biggest joy. I say, I don't do it as much anymore, but if I'm passing this knowledge on and the way people pass their knowledge on to me, it's it's just a great pleasure to show a new type of partnering. The partnering through acrobatics is gonna be another journey of learning another dance. And in it, it's its own um, wonderful exploration of give and take, uh, who does what at what point to make to make beauty happen, to make dance expression happen. And dude, if I can, if I if I could share my love with other people. Now, here's the funny thing. I've been, you know, the move where you hold up somebody by the hip, yeah. hit your head like this. You know, some people call it star, some people call it side star. You know, I when I first started doing that, I used to hurt my shoulder for like uh, months at a time until I found mm -hmm. the right technique, you know. Um, but then over like 15 years of doing it, I can do it. Not only can I do it with one arm, I can do it with two people over my head at the same time, right? And then wow. when I train people, I train dozens of people to do the move. Um, 
when once I was in the coma, all of my muscle, the good news is I lost weight. The bad news is I lost all the muscle because the when you're in a coma, they it eats your muscle fast and all your yeah. muscles atrophy, right? So <laughs> I've had to relearn all these moves using the technique wow. that I've been judging all these people. I'm like, come on, you just need to get stronger. <laughs> you know, and so all those people I've taught out there that I used to make fun of you for not being strong enough. I'm sorry, I get it now. I forgot, you know, because I'm again, I, I can hold Zoe now with my right arm uh overhead for about like 15, 20 seconds. But that that that's only in the last few months is able to do that. In the left arm, it still goes up, has to be perfect technique. She has to get over me, I have to push with my legs, you know, uh, the technique has to be just perfect. And I want to officially apologize to everybody because uh, I forgot how hard this stuff was. Uh, I still taught it to you the way, that you, I taught it to you the best possible way, I think. Um, but uh, I forgot how hard, yeah. Hey, I mean, and just to see how strong you've come back, uh, I truly look forward to see what you're going to be doing in the future. And now it helps us transition to our last segment called The Randoms, which is about 10 questions that allows myself and the audience to get to know you a little bit better. So all I need to know, Dave, is when you are ready. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> Number one, if you could have one meal right now, what would it be? Lasagna. I was. I go back to Garfield, who loved lasagna back um, as that fat cat. Uh, and once I was yeah. introduced to, <laughs> that was my inspiration. I haven't forgot it. Fifty years later, man. All right, number two. Out of all of the dancers that you've trained, give me one dancer that sticks out in your brain. I'm gonna say Isabella. She was on your. Um, she she had a very that that interview by the way was uh, phenomenal. What a intense. Um, and sorry, my brain is not working so. Well. Is it Isabel or Isabella? Isabel. Isabel Freeberg. Oh, good, yeah. sir. My, my memory. The good thing about having COVID is it, it, it's an excuse whenever I make mistakes for forgetting names or forgetting. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a wonderful. Uh, opportunity but isabel for me she she posted a video of her doing a backflip when she first wanted to learn it I, i'd worked with her for a few years um and as she said she scares to do the tricks even now she says she was doing things she in that interview she said she was doing things that you know she had no business doing but i yeah. loved i loved her so much because she was committed uh, i remember she was dancing with cobra brothers i remember how yeah. beautiful a dancer she was and i remember watching them do the tricks backstage and i was just like mm, i know i could help her a little bit but you know you don't ever want to intrude yeah um and then when she moved to new york she she came to me i forget with who somebody um and we started working together and um when she after a number of years she wanted to learn a backflip now when you learn a backflip that's a uh that's really super dangerous, you know? Um, yeah. It's like a free toss in, 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 in the air. And people don't know how hard, they see Colombians do it a lot, but um, you don't know how many people were hurt before you see the people who do do that. Like if you ever been to a Colombian Congress in, in Colombia, you, you'd be amazed that there are like 20 or 30 dance schools, each with a hundred students on, you know? And, <laughs> and so like, if you talk to them, you know, yeah, there are people who make it, they're doing great, but the people who didn't, Boy, some of them are, are struggling. It's not easy to do. It's super dangerous. And if you watch, she posts a video on her Facebook feed of her learning from the very beginning um, over the course of six months to doing a beautiful uh, pop back flip. And to me, that stands out to me as like persistence, courage, and for her to do it despite her fear. And I would tell her, I'd say, hey, look, your fear is your friends. Don't, mm. if you, I, don't I don't want people who just say, just throw me because they're, they're, they're yeah. the ones who are going to most likely get hurt. It's the people who uh, are cautious and we're going to train your body what's safe and what's not safe. And we're going to do it slowly. We're going to do it with safety lines. We're going to do it with spotters. And then we would do that. And if you see the video, you'll see her eventually get there and do no stage. And that's a woman I'm so uh, her artistry is beautiful. Who she is is beautiful. Um, and uh, it was just a high honor to work with her. Mm. I, I, lo I absolutely love that answer. My my next question would be... Well, that was a good answer, right? Sorry. <laughs> no, it was a perfect answer. I mean, because it put a lot of thought into it and realizing what artists have really made impacts. So you've come across hundreds of them. Yeah. So to hear that means it speaks volumes. So um, my next question is, let's throw a softball favorite color 
I don't have a favorite color, but I have favorite blends. Anytime I okay. see a green, orange, yellow with a bit of red mango uh, twist, suddenly I get really <laughs> thirsty, and I think I'm. It's just tropical to me, and yeah, happy. <laughs> okay, tropical blend it is. I, I love that answer. All right, yeah. next question, Dave. You're at a congress right now. You can only see one show. Who is it? Tropical Gem. They're they're they're. Ooh. Yeah, they're my favorite. I saw uh, he. I first saw Fernando back in two thousand one when he came over. Um, maybe it was two thousand. You know what? I think it was in nineteen ninety nine. I was dancing with Addy. I think at, at uh, Puerto Rico Congress, and he just blew everyone out of the water. Back then, he did his thing. Um, Frankie Martinez did his. They were very distinct styles, and he didn't have his team yet. Or if he did have his team, they weren't traveling. And I was immediately enamored of, he took LA style to a whole nother level of speed mm -hmm. and power. Um, and then what he does with his team over the course of 20 now years is just um, extraordinary, extraordinary to me. Always, always has been, he's consistently putting out numbers that blow me away, yeah. Mm. All right, next question is. I love is, these questions, these are great. Yeah, man, and, and mind you, they're on the spot. There's no paper here. This is just us talking. Uh, my next question is, if you could go back to one performance, what would it be? <laughs> oh, there's so many, but I'm going to go back to the same one I'm thinking about uh, with, mm -hmm. uh, with, with uh, Fernando Sosa. Um, because uh, when, when Addy and I performed, uh, Addy Rodriguez, we performed at uh, Congress. Um, we were, it was my first big night where I performed at, uh, the, Puerto Rico was it. Maybe there's a few Congress around the world, but really it's Puerto Rico. If you could get there, you travel yeah. the world, you know? Um, and we got, because uh, Addy was world famous. She was like the best or one of the three best women um, back mm -hmm. then in what she was doing. Um, she got us a slot on Saturday night. You know, Ooh, and I, okay. I know I was like, oh, shit. And for me, <laughs> I was like, I was really scared. It was really bad. Um, and then we 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 did this routine that was if you watch, um, there's some copies of it. I should put it out there, but a pretty good routine. Um, and then she does a, a, a snake. So she comes from over at press around the back and then around this side. And then she's supposed to come back on this side. And then I noticed she's not there. <laughs> and I go, oh shit. And it was funny. You can feel the audience went from like a good buzz to like, wow, this is a great routine or good routine, maybe, um, to silence, you know? And in that moment, <laughs> I looked down at her and she smiled and started laughing. I knew I blew my biggest opportunity for success. And mm. I guess she knew it too. And she was just smiling and laughing. I picked her up. We nailed the end of the routine got a standing ovation finishing it because the salsa supporters are great at supporting uh performers when they make mistakes to just keep going but yeah. it was also a genuinely great routine and i'll never forget later that night fernando sosa saw me and goes yeah good routine and i just he knows who i am i'm so like i've made it <laughs> and from that moment onwards there was a confidence in me in salsa dance and in the rest of the world where i knew i achieved something that Always, I always felt not enough. And when I had that experience for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, sh I, I actually am enough. I don't have to do more. I did more, but after that, I didn't feel like I needed to. So that for me, that, that performance stands out. And thank you, Addy, uh, wherever you are, I think in, in Florida, uh, for that graceful uh, uh, <laughs> comeback of a very difficult moment. Oh, man. All right, now this one can get a little bit spicy performing in the states or performing overseas what do you enjoy most well it depends where right if you perform in germany if you get an applause like this that's like a standing ovation you know mm. so you know the states has the uh, has the best level of um has the best level of enthusiasm. Uh, if you yeah. perform in some of the Northern European countries, they're a little more reserved. Uh, so it, it just depends where you're gonna go. But I say my favorite place, uh, India was my number one favorite place to perform uh, because the enthusiasm was there. I also love the food. Um, and we, we've been there four or five times, I think. Um, and Angel says, please, I don't have that show date. Oh, I'll send it to him, yeah, great. Um, so. Yeah, so India would be number one or any of the, uh, it was amazing for me growing up, I used to have this thing, so many women went before people knew who I was mm -hmm. would not dance with me, right? Uh, because they didn't, back then it was pressure. Um, and then all of a sudden, 
uh, I would travel, do these shows, and there would be a line of people dancing for me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that, that experience would absolutely mean like traveling around the world definitely better than the United States in that way for the social dance. Uh, but for enthusiasm, nothing beats a nothing beats a uh, uh, American audience. Mm, I love that. All right, next one is. You're at a salsa social right now, and you can have one follow. Who is it? It's Jamie Matos. She's the. It's funny uh, for those people who know she's Caribbean soul. Um, one of the one of the the you know it's funny. We did a. Um, I've always been enamored of her, and then once with it, I we did a show together. Did you ever know that? Um, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, most people know that. We started working each other for a little bit, uh, then her wrist got sore and I was doing work on circus stuff, so we couldn't do any more. But we started working together for about a year or so. Um, and we won this competition once. And she mm -hmm. said, I learned very early on that when you do a competition, don't bust your tricks out. Because once I did this show in, in the Bronx, uh, this competition, and the, this uh, seven-year-old boy and a grandmother with Puerto Rican uh, shirts and flags on them uh, beat me doing all these tricks. And all they did was a basic step. And I learned very early to win these uh, crowd competitions, you got to win them over and not show them up. So Jamie, <laughs> in the first round, she just did all, she, she's so smooth. She's the smoothest dancer in the world. She enamored everybody. We got to the second round. And then in the second round, the other couple busted out some tricks. And we, were, we looked at each other. We laughed. We were like, all right, just wait what happens we get on the stage <laughs> we, we do a few tricks overhead uh you know bunch no hands on the shoulders and the the mc stopped the competition after 30 seconds said you won it's over because the crowd went crazy and that was all that was all jamie jamie's like a secret not only is she the in my opinion the best social dancer in the world uh she also had great acrobatic talent too and we used to mm. teach a bunch of classes together wow all right next question is dave what is your biggest pet peeve in dancers? Pet peeve in dancers. Well, I would say I'm going to say something uh, critical, which is I learned Zook in the last few years. When I go to a Zook social, I never experience a higher level of people who allow beginners to involve themselves in the dance. And I know for me, when I was a salsa dancer, uh, it was people were very, very particular about who they would dance with. Um, yeah. And it was very, sometimes because of that, if you, you know, back at Jimmy Anton's, you had your corner. And in that, in, in, the, in the right corner, you know, yeah. it was very competitive. People were, you know, only dance certain people. And um, I've made it my thing to always dance with people uh, of all levels and at least dance with two people a night who nobody else is dancing with for whatever reason. Usually my mm -hmm. age, might be looks, might be skill. Um, <clears throat> so what I've seen in Zook is they welcome everybody. I would love to see that back in the salsa world. Now it's funny, I went the other night. I, it's been, I don't go out like I used to. I used to go out four or five nights a week. I'm one of those old timers who go out maybe once every few months, if that, yeah. maybe once a year <laughs> or something like that. That's unfortunate, but, um, but it's funny. I went out uh, a year ago or maybe a year and a half ago I mean, it may have been two years ago with um, and at the Brooklyn Museum at the Salsa Social. And I saw, uh, I would ask people to dance and they would not want to dance. Or if they did, they were very reserved or wouldn't even look at me or not even have the joy. And I'm still good, you know? Uh, I'm not yeah. great, but I'm good. And uh, my pet peeve is that lack of connection and not la that welcoming and just enjoying the person for whatever skill they are. Now, if the person is hurting you, that's a different story, right? Um, and, and so, of course, that, that has that involves its own story. But in particular with New York City, I think we can learn from the zoo community, especially coming back from the pandemic. Let's make this community a little more inclusive. And, you know, for Salsa for me, Salsa for me rescued me, man. Like when I was in that, when I was waking up and I woke up, I needed Salsa music to, to get me to do my rehab. I needed Salsa, the vision of performing again to, um, the, the, the reason for me of wanting to live, of, of, of still wanting things to do. And that's, that's, that's a healing that happened for me that I, I know is true for so many of us, that we have this joy. Um, and why not let as many people enjoy that passion, as, even if it means uh, our dance might not be as good. For me, it means what can I do to make this dance the best possible? Mm. Man, these answers are just hitting home for sure. And oh, am, I hitting, am I hitting too long? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm absolutely loving them because, again, it just really shows how much thought you put into it. And I, I respect it. Most people just have short answers, but for you to have a very detailed answer. I got I a story for each one. <laughs> hey, man. And now it brings us to our last question. It goes like this. 
if you're on an island, and I'll give it to you, maybe an island in Thailand, Malaysia, Bali, you're on an island, but disclaimer, there is no Wi-Fi. You only have three <laughs> items that you can bring with you. What are they? Uh, well, definitely something to play music, um, and definitely a book, and definitely... Uh, I have to think of the third one. But, you know, I did, because my work was remote, I did spend a lot of time in Dominican Republic uh, mm. this, this past year. And um, I tell you, man, I was never a pachatero. And when you listen to it all the time, I'm beginning to shift. <laughs> <in that. laughs> I'm beginning to shift in, I know. It's like, all right, maybe I'm beginning to uh, understand it now. You know, when I first listened to salsa, it was the uh, it was the women that was just getting me out there. I, yeah. I couldn't understand the difference between salsa and merengue. It was just totally clueless. It took, it took like a year or two. Um, but I used to go see live music all the time. And then being in the Dominican Republic, yeah, that, that changed me. So... Um, can I say three things? Music, uh, 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 a bachata band, and um, <laughs> and, a, and a Kindle reader. Because I, I I love those people who don't know. I have a bunch of adolescent fiction that I write. I have four mm -hmm. different adolescent uh, adolescent uh, fiction stories for uh, that are funny. You can look it on uh, YouTube on DavidParisBooks.com or mm -hmm. sorry, David Paris Books on YouTube. And I also am finishing up a community building. Um, book for uh, school teachers called, called 100 Community Building Activities. And um, I love writing, man. It's another um, another passion of mine. Yeah. And honestly, Dave, I really want to thank you so much for doing this segment. I love doing it because it allows me to get to know my guests more on a, on a different level and learning little things, you know, how you love lasagna, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> a multitude of things. But most of all, I think really from start to finish, this uh, discussion that we've had tonight has been really special uh, for me just catching up with you, uh, really for me sending my love and support to you, especially through these times, especially through last year and continuing. But for me, having this platform allows me to have artists like you tell your story from your point of view before someone else can kind of tell your story for you. So, you know, for me, I've been thankful to have you on tonight, but before we go, I would love to know if you had any last few words for myself in the audience, but also contact info on how people can reach you. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing, thank you for doing what you do and uh, you. a shout out for the great success that you've done. It's funny, Edwin, um, we were on a, a Zoom call, uh, Edwin Rivera and Eddie, and um, Edwin was saying, we got to do more for sharing the history for those people who are coming on the scene now. And I think your show does that. So uh, you get you have a great mix of some of the newer people, some of the older people, and I love them all. And and just thank you for doing that. And I'm most honored to be part of your group. And uh, the shared history we have is just a beautiful way to live life. So um, yeah, if you want to contact me, you can check out Paradiso Dance. That's the uh, company Zoe and I have at p-a-r-a-d-i-z-o dance.com. You can, um, if you want to get instructional DVDs, Ava, you can contact Ava Apple or myself. Um, there's a instructional um, routine that I teach on myquest.co. Uh, there are books that I have to sell on David Paris books. I sort of, sort of feel like a commercial all of a sudden. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else that's going on for me? I don't know. Um, and yeah, check me out. I'm going to do the, um, in a week, Zoe and I are getting ready to do our first show. Mm. Be her first show since um, having a C-section, beautiful boy she has um, at the country dance, the Big Apple Country Dance Festival, uh, a week from July 4th. Uh, we're getting, today we rehearsed a little bit and uh I'm not sure. I'm about 50% of what I used to be. So uh won't, won't be uh, the, the old level uh, of shows yet. It's going to take, I'm still fighting hard to get everything mm -hmm. back. But um, you can look out for that. And I think Roberto Bagan said he wants us to perform for, for them. So yeah, just check check me on Facebook and, and love to see in the dance floor. It's a wonderful thing that we all have together. I have to tell you, I, I was near death. I, I understand uh, for those people who did pass away or no people passed away, um, I, I, I get it. I get tragedy now. I didn't get tragedy before. Yeah. And the thing that we do the most in tragic times is grieve when we need to grieve and then love harder when we get a chance to love. And that version for us, loving is the dance, loving is the music, loving is being together. So thank you so much for having this. And I plan to see everybody out there in every capacity we possibly can, spreading love, spreading spreading beauty, spreading creativity. And if I don't sound like I'm preaching too much, if I sound like I'm preaching up, let me just <laughs> cough, my, 
get off that thing I was sore sitting on. And I love you all. Thank you, Diamond, for this. And uh, we'll see you soon. Absolutely. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode, episode 135 of the Live Discussions with Diamond podcast. I'm Diamond here with Dave Paris, and this has been the one-year anniversary episode. Thank you all. Episode 135. Everyone, take care. See you there. July, we're coming for you. Next guest, Caitlin Rodriguez. Stay tuned. See you there.